All right, let's kick things off. Happy Wednesday. It is August 23rd. Another edition of Sportsnet today is live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, well, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, Logan Gordon along with you. Alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, on this Wednesday afternoon. Lots to get to. As usual with the summer programming, Pat Steinberg's going to join us for the second hour of the program. Very excited to chat with uh, former Calgary Stampeder, former Stampeder's coach, and now Toronto Argonauts defensive coordinator, Corey Mace. He's going to join us in hour two of the program today. Get a little bit of an Argos perspective on uh, this Friday's coming matchup against the Stampeder, so stay tuned for that. Plus, in hour one, our NHL offseason in review. Stopping by with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've been busy the last couple of days, including that massive Brandon Hagel extension. Eduardo Encia going to join us. He writes for the Tampa Bay Times. He's going to join us a little bit later on this hour as we'll uh, dive into the offseason that's been for the Tampa Bay Lightning and see just how they're feeling heading into another NHL season. But we're kicking the program off today with some Jays talk. We talked about it yesterday, how big this series was for Toronto against the Baltimore Orioles. And they came out yesterday with a very important extra inning win against their AL East uh, rivals to get you caught up on last night for the Jays. We're going to kick things off today with a Jays report. Here's Taylor Dingman. Time now for the Jays Report on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Taylor Dingman. The Blue Jays and Orioles kicked off their series last night. In the bottom of the first, Austin Hayes hit a double to center field, bringing in Gunder Henderson, giving the Orioles an early lead. 0-2. Barso smashes the ball to right field, running back McKenna to the track at the wall. It's gone! But the Blue Jays were quick to respond in the top of the second. Dalton Varsho stepped up and crushed a two-run homer with George Springer already on base, shifting the score in favor of the Blue Jays 2-1. to one. In the fourth inning, Kevin Kiermeyer doubled, allowing Matt Chapman to cross the plate and extending the Jays' lead. In the bottom of the fifth, Jorge Mateo scores on a throwing error and leads to a two-out opportunity, and Jordan Westberg capitalizes with a double that brings Adley Rutschman home and ties the game at three. First pitch to Brandon Belt is smashed to right field. McKenna racing back. It's gone. First pitch, long ball. Brandon Belt, the Blue Jays are up 5-3. to On to the 10th inning, Brandon Belt steps up to the plate and hits a home run, driving in Bo Bichette and giving the Jays a crucial lead. As if that weren't enough, a wild pitch allows Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to cross the plate, securing the 6-3 victory for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now let's take a look at what's in store for tonight's game. Kevin Gosman with a season record of nine wins and seven losses with an ERA of 324 will take the mound for the Blue Jays. 
He'll be facing Dean Kramer of the Orioles, who has a record of 11 wins and five losses with an ERA of 450. First pitch is scheduled for 5.05 p.m., and you can listen to the game right here on Sportsnet 960. Catch the Blue Jays all season long right here on Calgary's home of the Blue Jays, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thank you, Taylor. Yes, a massive win for the Toronto Blue Jays to kick off this series against Baltimore. Not the best performance from Yusei Kikuchi, but he gets enough done. The Blue Jays use their now deep bullpen to take this thing into extra innings, whereas you heard in the Jays report, uh, Brandon Belt steps up to the plate in the 10th inning, smashes a ball to right field, his 14th of the year. Uh, Vladdy would follow that one up with a double. He eventually scores on a wild pitch, and the Jays close this out with a Jordan Romano save. Uh, Two Ks for Jordan Romano, who looks back to his old self after dealing with some injury troubles earlier this season, and the Jays pick up a 6-3 win to kick off the series. Let's hear from uh, Jays manager John Schneider post-game how he's feeling after his team picked up a big win against the O's. doesn't really waver. You know, he's getting a good pitch to hit. He's not missing it for one, but he's not expanding the zone. You know, it's, um, you know what you're going to get. You know, you kind of, um, you wear that at bat against Perez in the seventh, left on left, hoping that he comes back around, even though it's Bautista probably um, or Bauman, you know, after that. So wanted to keep him in the game because of what he's, what he's been doing and uh, came through again. Yeah. I mean, they continue to kind of just go out there and pick one, one another up. Um, you know, it's nice when you can turn to Jimmy Garcia in the fifth inning. Um, and, you know, just, you know, one little blemish there. It was a hell of an at-bat by Westberg off of him. But, um, you know, from Hicks to Swanee, you know, Tim Meza, you can't really underestimate what he's doing all year. And Jordy, you know, just kind of nasty there in the 10th. But they've been uh, they've been on a mission. You know, I think since Jordy came back off the IL, it kind of just, um, it really lengthens it out. Oh, man, that's a hell of a play. Um, thought he was going to throw to second at first and saw the throw. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of game saver right there. Um, you know, it allows us to walk Mount Castle and keep Timmy in there to get Gunner um, and not have Jordy come in for four outs. So that's a hell of a play by Bo. You can't, that, that's game changer right there. How big was this for you guys, knowing that, you know, this is a big series, but what you're going to have to do down the stretch to get where you want to go? Yeah, it's a good start. You know, they're a really good team, and um, – you know, Grayson, I think, kind of, you know, turned it up a little bit in the fifth and sixth. And, um, you know, Varsh continues to swing it well. But, yeah, it's a, it's a nice way to start this this series. And, um, you know, you look forward to, you know, doing it again tomorrow. But these guys are these guys are in a good spot. You know, I said it before the game that you meet teams at different times and um, love where we're at right now. Is this the type of win that can help build momentum? Obviously, like coming back and yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, it's an intense series. You know, it has been. I know they've had our number a little bit or a lot of bit, um, but it's uh, yeah. I think one of these a win like tonight, kind of just total team effort. You know, play by Bo, the pitching from uh, the bullpen, and uh, and some really clutch hitting. So hopefully, you get on a nice little run. I thought he was good. You know, fastball command wasn't quite as good as it has been. And then um, their right-handed hitters, I think, were, um, you know, hitting that slider down and in. It wasn't quite strike to ball, but his stuff was really good, I thought. And uh, pitch count got up a little bit there in the fifth. And, you know, it's tough to take a guy out in the fifth. I know he wasn't thrilled. Um, and, and, you know, he's he's earned that, you know, with how he's been throwing. But I thought he was really good and just didn't really get the slider where he wanted to tonight. 
This is John Schneider, Jays manager, post game following the win against the Baltimore Orioles. Um, the question asked there, the one that I, I thought was most relevant, is can you guys use this as momentum going forward? You'd certainly hope so if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. You've won three in a row. You go for your fourth straight win tonight with Kevin Gaussin on the mound. He's been one of your most consistent pitchers. And look, whether or not the goal is to, to catch the Orioles at this point of the season, that's probably unrealistic. There's no doubt that the Jays can and should be able to gain some confidence if they're able to take two of three, if they're able to somehow sweep this series. They've had it's not just the AL East that's been a problem. I mean, it has been the Baltimore Orioles specifically, as you heard uh, towards the end of that John Schneider press conference. They've had their number for a lot of it. And again, I, I still think whether or not you're talking about catching Baltimore in this race, it's kind of irrelevant. It can still be uh, a turning point for this Jays team. Maybe not even a turning point. That's It can still be a positive point for them. They need to string together some wins if they want to find themselves in a playoff uh, position when it's all said and done. And yeah, going about it against Baltimore is as, as good a team as you're going to find for the Jays over the next couple of months here. So good for them to start it off with a win. Uh, one more guy to hear from post game, Brandon Belt. What an acquisition this guy's been. Uh, him and Whit Merrifield really have carried the offense at different points of the season for this Toronto Blue Jays team. He always jokes sarcastically about being the MVP for this Toronto Blue Jays team, but uh, last night, you could certainly make that case given the clutch nature of his home run in the top of the 10th inning uh, and just being a leader for this Jays team overall and, and being a, a presence, whether it's DHing or being at first base, Brandon Belt's been a great acquisition. He also spoke following the win last night against Baltimore. Tight game, intense game. What do you find are kind of the separators in games like these? Uh, you know, a lot of times it comes down to who makes the least amount of mistakes. Um, uh, and I think that's what, how it turned out for us. I mean, bullpen came in, did great. Um, you know, I think the their guy just made a mistake over the middle, and we were able to take advantage of it. They've played you really tough this year. What do you make of just the matchup between these two teams? It's a tough matchup, for sure. I mean, uh, you never feel like uh, you have a huge advantage over them, and no matter what point of the game it is, they, they're always in it. Um, you know, but I think that our team, when we're when we're at our best, we can compete with anybody, and I think that's what you saw tonight. Yeah, no, I, I feel I feel pretty good right now. Um, I think that's a you know pretty obvious to say, but I, I you know I felt like I was getting to that point a little earlier this season and uh, kind of got hurt right around that time. So I felt like I was just kind of uh, you know working my way back to that point. Um, definitely feeling better right now, and uh, you know, but I think it's just about competing, and that's what we're doing out there. Seven home runs in uh, the last two games for this club. Uh feels like maybe everyone's getting their stroke down right now. Absolutely, and that's what it's going to take for us to, to win this thing. Everybody's got to be contributing, um, and, and you've seen that from us the past couple of days. I think it has a lot to do with just getting our guys back. You know, I mean, we had a lot of a lot of injuries, and you now we got them back in the lineup. It lengthens the lineup a lot, and you're, and you're seeing the fruits of that. And in this time of year, is this a kind of momentum-building win? Yeah, you know, it definitely can be, um, but it's something that you can't take for granted, and you got to continue to go out there and play your best baseball day in and day out. You know, I'm not sure our uh, schedule gets a whole lot easier from here on out. Uh, so it's just, you know, grinding it out and playing our best baseball right now. With a more balanced schedule, you're not seeing as much of anybody anymore. Does it add a little more urgency to these games a little sooner, just knowing you're not going to have, say, six more games against these guys? Or 
you know, I think when you get to this time of year and you're kind of on the cusp of being in the playoffs, uh, you got to have urgency a little bit. You, know, uh, you can't put pressure on yourself because um, that can make you do things you don't normally do, but you got to have a sense of urgency to get out there and win ball games now. Brandon Belt, his home run in the top of the 10th inning helps the Jays to a 6-3 win over the Baltimore Orioles to kick off this three-game set. You heard from Taylor in the Jays report, another 5-0-5 first pitch tonight. Jays now with 70 wins on the season. Turn to Kevin Gosman, 9-7 on the year. It is Dean Kramer going for the Baltimore Orioles. You can catch all the action right here on your home of the Toronto Blue Jays, Sportsnet 960, the fan. We have plenty of NHL news to share with you today as well. Uh, Elliot Friedman, the 32 Thoughts podcast, back working on some uh, international interviews the last couple of days. Uh, if you've got tweet notification on for Fridge, you might have had some late-night tweets from him. Talk to Elias Pedersen from Vancouver, William Nylander of the Toronto Maple Leafs on uh, you know contract extensions, things that are going on with those guys specifically. Uh, interesting to hear from a guy like William Nylander um, today that, or from his interview with Friedman, I should say, uh, about his contract and about his status going forward with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And maybe a much more positive light than Leafs fans would have expected. Here's uh, William Nylander with uh, Elliot Friedman on his status going forward with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Where do things stand? As you know, everybody, and I'm just as guilty as anyone else, we're all talking. You're the source. Where does everything stand? Well, uh, look, right now um, I'm just getting ready for, for the season, and um, my agent and uh, Brad can do whatever talking they want to do uh, for uh, to try to get a contract done. Obviously, there's no other place I want to uh, play at, so my mind's only in Toronto. Is any part of you concerned that this won't work out? That's for a later day in next uh, after the next season, so I'm not worried about that right now. Like This is where I want to be at, and I'm just focusing right now, and getting ready to have the best year of, uh, of my career and helping the team to reach our goal that we all want to want to achieve. So that's uh, for another day to, for me to focus on because I still have one more year left, and, and that's the place I want to be at. So there's lots of time to get something done. And I'll ask one more. Was there any point at all this summer where you thought you were going to be traded? Uh, not really. I didn't think so. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't too worried. Yeah. Not, not too worried about it. Does anything worry you? <laughs> <laughs> You're the most calm, chill person I think I've ever seen play in Toronto. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> My dogs maybe worry me. <laughs> um, but no, like I said, I, I still have one more year, and I know how much I love it there. And I mean, it would take a lot for me to want to leave Toronto. Like, there's like that's a place I want to be at, and that's where my mind's at for for the coming. Uh, your end for the future. I'm not thinking about being anywhere else. So, and the contract stuff, that's not for me to figure out. That's between Brad and my agent. And uh, when and hopefully they get that done uh, soon, we good. What is it about Toronto then? Like, what is it about the city, the team, the organization, all of it that does it for you? So you'll say, like, look, this is where I want to play. Um, well, like, you got the organization. Uh, they take care of you uh, better than any other team in the league. And with the staff, uh, the trainers and the equipment staff and all the people around, they just 
make sure that you you're given the best stuff to uh to succeed and have success and then you got the fans that are incredible and then the city i mean just basically this is where i've uh spent the most time in my life mm. so this is uh this is home for me so i mean with just my daily life in toronto i mean that's just uh mm-hmm. yeah considered home i i do want to ask you one more and you know again it, this is your opportunity to say to clear anything like i've said like i've heard that you don't want to take a discount of other players going to take a disc aren't going to take a discount there's been reports that you're asking for a minimum of 10 million do you want to address any of this <laughs> the contract stuff is uh is that's just for uh brad and uh my agent to to dig into i mean both sides, I think, know where each other are, are at, and right now we'll just see what happens. I mean, I still have one more year left, so I, I don't really understand what the big rush is either to get a get a deal done. I mean, got one more year left. We have a great team, and and we go from there. That is William Nylander, the Toronto Maple Leafs, with uh, American Friedman on Thirty Two Thoughts. A lot of people in Toronto surprised by the positive nature of what William Nylander had to say about staying in Toronto and wanting to be a long-term member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Can they even make that happen financially, knowing that the Austin Matthews contract extension is coming? Who knows? But it was a very positive outlook from a guy like um, like William Nylander, maybe some that Leafs fans weren't expecting. And again, what do you expect some people to say in those, in those interviews comes into it, right? If he wants to start a firestorm and go, yeah, I don't want to be in Toronto. I'm looking forward to getting traded and playing my year out or whatever happens with Brad, then then sure. I, I think this is probably the communal answer that keeps everybody happy. And there's been plenty of players, and there's been one here that's you know said at times, I want to be a member of the Calgary Flames and uh, looking forward to re-sign a long-term deal. It never happens. Could the same thing happen with William Nylander and the Leafs? Absolutely it could, but... It was interesting for sure, and a lot of people took note of the fact uh, that he was so positive on his time in Toronto and certainly appears to be, at least on face value, interested in remaining with the Leafs for a long time. Other NHL news, Andre Tournier signs a three-year contract extension with the Arizona Coyotes. He'll remain their head coach for the next couple of seasons. That's not much of a surprise. We've heard that one's been in the works for a while now. And again... The NHL uh, and NHL.com reporting today that the league and the Players Association are working to create an international competition to be held in February of 2025. League and the PA are intending to begin a regular rotation of Olympic participation and a World Cup of Hockey in even years. That coming from NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly during the European Player Media Tour on this Wednesday. So how it would work according to daily or what the goal is. They'll have a world cup of hockey, 2025 Olympics in 26, 2028 world cup of hockey Olympics in 30, 32 for the world cup of hockey, so on and so forth. The last world cup you'll remember was held in 2016. Canada beat team Europe in Toronto. No NHL player participation in 2018 in Pyeongchang or the 2022 Olympics in Beijing after going to the Olympics in 98, 02, 06, 2010, and 2014. 2026 Winter Olympics currently held, uh, scheduled to be held 
uh, in Milan, Italy. Bill Daly says they don't know exactly what the format will take place or what the format will look like of the tournament. Um, international competition for sure. NHL-centric in terms of player base, maybe entirely NHL. Uh, obviously, the participation of Russian players is going to be uh, a big topic for this going forward as well. No deadline set for this, also according to Bill Daly, uh, about uh, the 2025 deadline, but they would like to get it figured out as quickly as possible and go from there. I, I would love for it to happen. We've gone way too long, and as a lot of people have pointed out, as we've talked about this before, you know, for Canadian hockey fans, we've missed out on a chance to see guys like Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid together at their peak. And some people love the World Cup of Hockey format we saw in 2016 with the Team North America, the, the Young Stars team, and the Team Europe. Some people uh, didn't like the gimmickiness of it and would prefer just best on best international hockey. How are we going to feel if we do get on a, a constant schedule of every two years on the even years having some sort of international competition, whether it be World Cup of Hockey followed up by the Olympics? It's, it's going to be a big change. We've gone a very long time without it and why the NHL and the, the players association haven't been able to come to terms on this for a long, I don't know, especially a world cup of hockey that sees them, you know, wreaking or bringing in their own revenue from an NHL centered event. It's been confusing from that aspect. And look, the players have long said as far as, you know, CBA negotiations, go, uh, CBA negotiations go, excuse me that this is something they want. They want to go to the Olympics. They want to be allowed to to go to the Olympics whenever they're given the opportunity. It still matters to them uh, a whole lot. They haven't been given that opportunity the last couple of years. So, again, they see they're working on it. There's no deadline right now, according to Bill Daly, as to when this needs to get done. But the goal is, by 2025, to begin a cycle uh, of international hockey that includes a World Cup of Hockey and the Olympics. Whether it happens or not, we will wait and see. We're going to take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Our NHL offseason in review continues. We're taking a look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've been busy the last couple of days. We'll check in on their offseason, see if they still remain in a Stanley Cup contending window. That, when Sportsnet Today returns, here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Continuing our summer tradition here on Sportsnet 960, the NHL offseason in review Stops in Tampa Bay today. We take a look at the Lightning, who've been busy of late. The Brandon Hagel extension gave us some talk about. Darren Radish signing an extension today as well. Where do the Tampa Bay Lightning sit after a busy offseason in the Eastern Conference and perhaps when it comes to getting back to a Stanley Cup final? To answer some of those questions, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcome in Eduardo Insignia, Tampa Bay Lightning beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times. Eduardo, thank you for the time today, sir. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate the time up here in Calgary for you today. Uh, let's start with the news that, that came down uh, just recently. Brandon Hagel on an eight-year extension for the Tampa Bay Lightning, joining the likes of uh, Nick Paul, Brandon, uh, Braden Point, who we know well up here in Calgary as sort of this Young core for Tampa Bay getting locked up. What did you make of the the Hagel extension? Yeah, so obviously they, they've had a kind of a busy off season because you know I guess 
kind of the cost of winning sometimes is you're going to lose guys. And um, they, they kind of had to, uh, you know, replace with some forwards because they lost some guys. And, you know, once they did that, um, I think the next item of business were two things. One was trying to lock up Brandon Hagel, and the other one was uh, seeing whether they could, uh, you know, also you know, sign Steven Samkos to an extension. He's going to be a free agent at the end of last year. So they got the Hagel thing done. Obviously, Hagel had a breakout year, you know, last year. You know, 30 goals, 64 points. Um, he showed a lot, and I think that uh, he really kind of became a big part of their future um, obviously kind of from day one because of how much they gave for him um, at the deadline a couple of years ago at the trade deadline, a couple first round picks and a couple other players. So, but, you know, last year was a big year for him. He, um, you know, one, he, you know, he obviously the 30 goals speaks to it, but also, you know, he, he kind of became this guy that could do a lot of things for them. You know, he could play uh, on the top line with point and Nikita Kucherov, um, which is something that, you know, they really needed. They needed to get some guy to kind of, you know, fill that role because they lost Andre Pallott, um, who had been doing that for several years. And then also, you know, he just kind of really emerged as this kind of two-way guy. You know, he could play with Anthony Sorelli and Alex Killorn and, and be this, this two-way force, kind of a, a serve as a, a part of a lockdown line for them. So, uh, you know, 30 goals and 64 points is one thing, but, you know, what, what Brandon Hagel kind of does, you know, as, as a two-way guy is the other thing. And I think that um, I, when I talked to him yesterday after he signed the extension, you know, he's a guy who, you know, five years ago, you know, really didn't know where his future was. You know, uh, you know the, the, the Sabres had kind of passed on him after drafting him. They never, didn't sign him. Um, he was going into his, you know, I think third year of, of, uh, of juniors and Moose Jaw and then, uh, you know, did have a contract. So uh, he's always kind of had this kind of uh, chip on his shoulder attitude of he's going to outwork guys. He's obviously not the biggest guy in the world, but that, that if he can – out hustle guys um, that he'll he'll keep proving guys wrong. So uh, it was kind of it's kind of now he's you know he's a fifty two million dollar man. You know they invest a lot of money in him for the next eight years. Um, so it, it's kind of a different different you know time in his life and his career for that. But um, but obviously he he still wants to play the way that that they got him here. And, and um, I think you know that's what the Lightning want to see. And again he's twenty four years old. He's the youngest guy in this roster. So um, you know they, they see a lot of. A lot, lot to come with him. Outside of of, of major moves, because we, we kind of know who this Tampa Bay core is, Eduardo. We know who who sure. the main guys are. Um, what was the biggest move for for Julian Breezewell to make this offseason outside of of his own guys and keeping guys like Brandon Hagel around? Yeah, you know, I think so. You know, I think one big thing is when they lost Alex Kalorn, uh that, That's a big part, a big piece of you know that core, the, you know, the winning core that, that won a couple cups and went to three straight finals. So. Um, you wanted to bring someone in there who could, you know, maybe fill that role. Um, and I think the, the, the major acquisition that they made on the free agent market was getting Connor Sheary. And I think that you know, he, he, he's a guy who can, who can score, but he can, you know, he can forecheck. Uh, you know, winning pedigree is important to these guys when they go out and sign guys on the free agent market. They've, they've done a lot. Guys who have gone elsewhere, and obviously Sheary's done it. Um, you know, in, in Pittsburgh, you won a couple cups there. And also, you know, kind of going alongside the, the 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 comparison with Hagel is guys who can play with you know, premier players, you know. And I think they think that Cherry can do that. Obviously, in Pittsburgh, uh, he played you know on a line with 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 guys like uh, you know like Andy Crosby and Malkin. Um, obviously, played with, with a Vetchkin and, and Capitals with the Capitals most recently. So he's a guy who I think comes in here and and is a guy who they hope can fit in. 
uh, like you say, can can play with with elite skill players, and um, you know, and, and hold his own on, on a two way side. Because I think if there's one thing that they really wanted to improve on from last year's team is really kind of reduce a lot of the scoring opportunities that they were allowing, and especially you know in in, in the front of the net. Um, I think that's probably if, if you could really kind of hone in on one thing that this team kind of struggled with, as opposed to maybe some of the, the teams that really went far in the postseason, it's probably that. And that's the one thing that Breezeball really wanted to do is kind of go out there and get those guys. So I think they did that with Sheary, Luke Lindenning, uh, Josh Archibald, also some signings. You know, they'll probably be, you know, bottom six kind of forwards, but um, guys who can forecheck and play defense. Um, and so I think that that's kind of the way they really wanted to go and kind of focus in the offseason. They kind of rebuilt some of their forward core after they lost guys like Kalorn, you know, they traded Pat Maroon. They were going to lose Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. They traded away Ross Colton, who was a kind of a cap casualty kind of guy. Um, so that that's kind of was the focus in the offseason. Obviously, like we said, getting getting guys like lock, lock, locking up guys like Hagel, who can kind of are kind of that young core that that um, you know kind of flip the flip the roster for the future. It's an interesting offseason for for Tampa Bay in the sense that uh, I'm sure they would have loved to have been playing late into the season again, uh, into the postseason again this this past playoff, Eduardo. But uh, it's something that, yeah. that comes along with playing late hockey into, into May and June is it, it takes a lot out of your body. We've heard that from from past Stanley Cup champions too that you know the grind of an 82 game season plus however many in the postseason can can get to guys. Can you see this uh, being a good chance for this Tampa Bay team to sort of bounce back into a contention mode knowing that they've had a longer off season than a lot of these guys have been used to the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly different. You know, I think that that's something that, you know, obviously, you know, every, every team wants to go deep in the playoffs. And since this team had done it, you know, three years in a row, it was definitely a a different feeling for them when they got bounced in the first round. And uh, I think that the way that they, they approached this off season was definitely embracing that, you know, is that, you know, we, we've played so many games. We've played into June, July, and uh, you know, we, you, you know, there is a benefit, and there is that toll that it takes on the body, and you know, and, and mentally, you know, we all know that you know the, the mental grind that the postseason is. So, um, I think they kind of looked at that as, as you know, embrace the idea that you know they'll, they'll have more time to rest their bodies, to regroup mentally, and kind of come back at this. So, um, like you said, the. the the, the the core is, is is intact and you know they're one year older and uh you know i think that the other teams get better right in the eastern conference especially uh we, we've seen that um and how tough it was you know i mean the lightning lost of the, the maple leafs in, in six games but they, they lost three you know three games at home in overtime so uh you know it was a close series um, but but those are those are honestly games that, that the Lightning over the past the previous three years pulled out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think they looked at it as like, you know, it was a disappointing situation to, to get to lose in the first round, especially the way they lost those games. But at the end of the day, that you know, that, that this can be a good thing for them moving forward. And especially, I think the one guy that really stands out with that is is uh, you know Andre Vasilevsky because there's no goaltender who's played as much hockey as he has the past four years. And, you know, it was kind of a revelation to hear from him at the end of the year that, you know, he just kind of felt out of whack come midseason. And, you know, he really embraced this. And and, Vasile, and for him to say that is something because Vasilevsky is a guy who's always been known as, 
know, one of the hardest workers in the room, you know, his preparation second to none. And, you know, the, he's always kind of known to just push, push, push forward. And that's kind of been his MO. So for him to kind of think of it as being like, well, maybe it's good to kind of stay, take a step back, you know, analyze, you know, what, what I have to do. And, you know, he's at the age, you know, 28, 29 years old, where as goaltenders, especially guys who play the kind of minutes that he does, you know, you kind of have to reinvent yourself a little bit, you know, especially when it comes to preparation. So um, I think, you know, you're going to see a team this year that's probably a little bit different on the roster, but also one that even the guys who've been there a long time, they're really going to take a different approach to this. Um, again, you know, that that's a grind and, and, it's, it's, and it wears on you. So I think um, a lot of these guys are probably learning this year how to kind of you know, prepare differently, you know, how to take care of their bodies a little bit differently. Um, a lot of them aren't the spring chickens that they were, mm-hmm. you know, especially guys like Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman. You know, those are guys who've been in the league, you know, since they're 18 years old. And, you know, that's, you know, 13, 14 years on, on, the, on their bodies. So, um, and then you have that, that, that next group, you know, the Vasilevskis, Nikita Kucherov, you mentioned Braden Point. He's a little bit younger there. But, um, you know, those guys have played a lot of hockey too. So it all kind of wears on you. I wanted to dive in a little bit more on that goaltending situation because the last couple of years in Tampa Bay, uh, Andre Vasilevsky has been sort of buoyed by a, a veteran presence there, whether it's been uh, Curtis McElhaney has been there. We know Brian Elliott's been there the last couple of years, but it sure seems as though, at least right now, unless I, I've missed something, that it will be uh, a guy like Jonas Johansson coming in to, to back him up this year. And that's a pretty uh, inexperienced, as far as NHL time goes, goaltender how much is going to go into managing Andre's minutes during the year and making sure that he's fresh and ready to go when the playoffs do come around yeah I think that that's a big part of it too I think that like you said it's it's one of those things where he they've kind of let him determine a lot of how much he plays and you know he's been obviously a horse for them and I think go even you know the middle of last year you know I think he kind of knows that he's going to have to that when it matters the most is, you know, the playoffs and he's got to work his way so that he's, you know, feeling good as far as seeing pucks, but also just physically feeling the best he can. And I think again, when you get that to that age, you know, it's, it's, it's great when you play 60 games going into the postseason, but you know, you kind of have to wind down. I think you, know, you mentioned, you know, they've, they've gone with veteran guys like McElhaney, you know, more recently, Brian Elliott, guys like that, who um, I think they've liked the idea of having a veteran guy, um, who can kind of handle, you know, playing sporadically. You know, they think they felt that veteran guys can, can kind of handle that mode maybe more than maybe a guy that, that's younger. But with Johansson, I think they just, they really like the fact that, first, I think they think he's kind of an untapped potential guy, you know, that especially, you know, recently, the past year or so, that, you know, you know he obviously didn't play that much in Colorado, but his numbers were really good. They think some analytics there that they can show that, that he can really, you know, he's a guy who's probably maybe a little bit better than the opportunities he's been given, but also too, that he's a guy who can, you know, help, you know, spread the load a little bit with Vasilevsky, especially in the regular season, because ultimately he wants to be, they want him to be the best that he can. And, you know, I I wouldn't put anything on Andre Vasilevsky in terms of the playoff loss, or even maybe the way the team struggled in the second half of the season. But I definitely do think that you could see some fatigue there. And I think if there's another thing, along with those scoring opportunities that they allowed in front is, you know, if, if they can get Andre to a point where he feels the best physically about himself in the postseason, like he's like he did in those great years when he, you know, they won back-to-back cups um, and, and just can take over a game. And I don't think, I think when you look at those two years, you know, 
you know, they had the stars running, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, the most important guy, and I think everyone here knows that, is Andre Vasilevsky, you know, and, 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 and as they go as he goes. And he can the, – the way that he can stop shots and the way he can take it over a game late in, in the postseason is um, – that's something that, that gives this team the, the best weapon that it can to win another Stanley Cup. And I think – they think that Johansson is a guy who can maybe spread the load a little bit and maybe take a little bit more of a load. Cause I do think that with McElhaney and Elliot, there probably was a little bit of, of a, uh, of a ceiling that maybe they were going to get in terms of games played. And with Johansson, maybe he can carry a little bit more of the load that, you know, Vassalotti doesn't have to play, you know, you know, 60, 55 games um, every regular season to kind of, um, you know, carry that load. Eduardo, as we talked about in this conversation, obviously the, the first-round playoff exit is disappointing. I don't think anybody uh, looked at Tampa Bay and was stunned by an upset. Toronto's a, a very good team in and of themselves to, to have a regular yeah. season like they did, and it felt like maybe it was time for them to, to get over the hurdle that was the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I'm curious from your perspective and, and given what you hear in the market about expectations for this Lightning team coming back into this season when they have so many returning faces, is it – uh, an expectation despite the first round exit last year that this team should jump back into that Stanley Cup contender type of, of mode? Is that what Julian Breezewa and John Cooper are, are shooting for again this season? Yeah, I think the, 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 the big thing, obviously, the, the, the big challenge is the cap, right? You know, because you can't keep everyone, especially when you, when you build a team like they have, it's kind of, you know, you're paying a lot of your stars and, and you're investing in your long term, in your um, young core long term. So, um, you know, you're going to have that kind of turnover. And over the years, they've lost some, you know, some big guys. Like we've talked about Palat and, you know, Kalorn, you know, guys like that who've been a big part of, of, of the kind of the core. But at the end of the day, I think this is an organization that, you know, they're kind of a little bit in transition right now because you do have still the stars there, the Sam Coases, the Kucherovs, the Hedmans, the Points, the Vasilevskis. But, you know, you are kind of starting to lean on some of these other younger guys. And, you know, Hagel's one of them. Nick Paul's one of those guys. You know, these are guys that they, they – you know, paid a lot of money, for, a lot of assets for to get at the trade deadline, with the hopes that that you know they, they would be a, a part of their long term future. Tanner Janot is another one. I know that you know, a lot of people have been you know critical of how much they gave up for Tanner Janot, but you know he's a guy that probably allows you to feel a little bit more comfortable about losing a guy like Halorn or even Pat Maroon, you know, because of cer- certain roles that he fills that are you know not necessarily easy to to, to fill. Um, but you know, I think I think that they're they are a team in transition for sure, but they still have that core. They still have elite players. I think that's what you know is unique about them. You know, they, they have a, a, a talent core with Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Stamkos, Hedman, Point that not many people have. And I think when you t- if you talk to Julian Bruzeball about it, he'd say like that's the hard part is getting that kind of elite talent and building around it. You know, it makes it a little bit easier. So um, when you have the talent that they do have, and obviously everyone, you know, this, this is why the dollar cap is, is built, is everyone kind of catches up to you when you're at the top of the mountain. And I think in the Eastern Conference, they certainly have. You know, so the, the uh, you know, the, the, the gap that, that separates these teams in terms of, you know, elite level play and the ability to, to get far in the playoffs is, is so, so narrow. And, you know, I, I, I said that, you know, for the, the years that they've won the cup, um, you know what they the, the year that they actually lost in the final of Colorado might have been actually their their best most impressive run because of the teams that they had to go through and the way they beat those teams you know mm-hmm. it was Toronto it was Florida winning a president's trophy it was the Rangers after being down 2-0 you know so um 
you know, the playoffs, that's the thing that makes, you know, the hockey postseason so great is that some of these teams are so, you know, so close, you know, and, you know, Toronto could have won that series two years ago as, as much as they won this year. You know, Toronto was very close to winning that. You know, the World Lightning had to win a game six in overtime. They had to win game seven in Toronto to win that series. So they were close to being knocked down the first round last year. And then you end up going all the way to the final, obviously losing to the Avalanche in six. But, you know, I just think that that's the, one of the great things about hockey, especially in the you know Eastern Conference the past few years is, you know, all eight of those teams got a chance. As you saw last year, you know, with the, with the Panthers, you know, um, you know, team that barely made it, you know, need some help to just to get in and do they go to the, to the finals. So, um, yeah, like I said, it, it, it's tough. And I think that the one thing that lightning know, because they've been on both sides of it now is how tough that is. You know, they, they don't forget that before they won those two cups, you know, they were the team that won the president's trophy and gets bounced by, you know, the eighth seed and, in, 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 you know, by Columbus. Yeah. You know, so that's the one thing that this, this organization knows, the team knows um, that, that, you know, as good as you can be, you know, it's about pulling out games in the playoffs. You know, sometimes you're able to do them, sometimes you can't. So if you actually, when you really look at this kind of five-year stretch that they've gone into, beginning with, you know, that President's Trophy team that, you know, uh, they lost in the first round to Columbus through, you know, two Stanley Cup wins, you know, three trips to the finals, and then another loss in the first round. You know, I think they, you can look at that and they know better than anyone <laughs> how tough it is to win games in the postseason and, and the, the kind of the things that you need to do to win and how sometimes, you know, again, you know, three 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 overtime losses at home. You know, most times when you, when that happens in a postseason series, you're not going to win it. So, um, how it can kind of go the other way. So, but how close they are, I think they they really think that they were close to beating Toronto, and I think they would have thought that they had a great chance if they come out of that series to you know to go and make another big run. But obviously, it didn't happen. But I think that the one thing that one value that they, these guys do have is that they know what it takes, and you know, the guys in the room even. You know, when you bring new guys in, you know, they learn quickly, but they know what it takes to win uh, in the postseason when, when it matters most. Eduardo, great stuff today. Really appreciate you taking some time to join us uh, up here in Calgary. Enjoy the rest of the offseason, pal. I uh, hope we can hook up again once hockey season's back around. Yeah, for sure. Anytime you need me. Appreciate it having me. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Eduardo Insigne joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. He covers the Tampa Bay Lightning for the Tampa Bay Times as they were our Subject of our NHL offseason in review. The Tampa Bay Lightning uh, coming down with a big Brandon Hagel contract extension. The other day they got Darren Radish signed up on a two-year contract extension as well for the 27-year-old uh, defenseman. But looking at this team, lots of pieces signed up long-term. Mentioned Braden Point. We know him well here in Calgary. Anthony Sorelli, Nick Paul, uh, Brandon Hagel, all guys signed up four, five, six years into the future. Same with a guy like Mikhail Sergachev. Eric Chernak, part of that group as well. Uh, and still, obviously, in Stanley Cup contender mode when you have guys like Nikita Kucherov, who's just 30 years old. Steven Stamkos, still part of this group. Um, you know, Victor Hedman is 32. He's at a great contract uh, price at $7.8 million for a number one defenseman. And obviously, Andre Vasilevsky, still one of the best goaltenders in the world. That goaltending question mark for me is still there for them in the sense of can they get him enough rest this season. Uh, Jonas Johansson does not have a long NHL resume. He's got a total of 35 uh, NHL games played, spread over uh, six seasons with four different teams. He's 27 years old now. I don't know if that's the guy I trust to spell off Andre Vasilevsky for 20, 25 games because 
again, like Eduardo said, I don't think you put any blame on Andre Vasilevsky for how that series went with Toronto, but you obviously know he can be better and not dissimilar to the situation here in Calgary. When you have a number one guy that wants to play every single night, sometimes you've got to take the decision out of their hands and do what's best for them and best for the team. And that's probably keeping your starting goaltender to around, you know what, 55 to 60 games so that when a long postseason run, uh, you know, does appear and it wouldn't be out of the question for a team like Tampa Bay that, that Andre Vasilevsky is at his best and is fresh and ready to go if they do uh, go a couple of rounds in the NHL's postseason, which, like I said, wouldn't really surprise anybody given the core uh, that they still have in Tampa Bay. So thanks again to Eduardo for joining us. He did so down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Check in with Pat Steinberg. He joins us for hour two. We'll have a stamps report with Matty Rose and we'll check in on the Toronto Argonauts with former Calgary Stampede Corey Mace and now Argos defensive coordinator ahead of their matchup with Calgary on Friday. That as hour two gets going, it's next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.